McNulty, it's on. Oh, hell yeah. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, part two of our special on The Wire. I'm Misal Kwonka. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm looking at Omar in the courtroom. Yeah, <laughs> dressed as Omar, my bomber jacket and my silk cravat. <laughs> I came dressed as McNulty. I've already had a taste. I ran out of Jameson's though. Probably not considered an essential item during this pandemic. Although it should be. Pandemic, pandemic. No, it's not. It's not. So we've both now watched all five seasons of The Wire. We've done it. Yeah. In the last um, episode, those who heard it, we kind of discussed our love for The Wire. And since then, we've both finished all five seasons. There'll probably be a lot more spoilers today. So just bear that in mind. There weren't too many really on the first episode, but I think today there might be a lot more. Yeah. Let's get into it because we're going to go through the rest of the characters that we've not done yet. That's right. Yeah, we are. We are. But I want to give out a shout to Tayo Papula. <laughs> he was probably the biggest Wire fan I know. I think he's on his ninth rewatch My now. Goodness. He hit me up after Monday's episode. He said, Van Gala's rules literally punched the air on Hackney Marshes. <laughs> so rules, it's unbelievable. And he said, calling out the underperforming district commanders like they were Neil Custis. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. And he said, if you haven't got <laughs> Valchek, can it be Neil Warnock? And that is I'll have a credit on the podcast. Amazing. Stan Valchek, Neil Warnock is absolutely amazing. Warnock has massive Valchek energy. He does. It's not even I mean, there's not even a, there's no other candidate for that. No. That's incredible. Peppy, it's amazing, right? Vindictive, combative, street smart always manages to get that promotion. Incredible. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm up for that. Wow. It's a good one, huh? Yes, incredible. <laughs> Cheers, Tyra. But yeah, I want to start with an alternative to one that we already discussed. So on the last one we did, Brother Muzone, which was Anthony Martial. I yeah. mean, these are just art. I mean, there's, this yeah, isn't course, yeah. any ultimate supervillain 11 or any of that stuff. We had Chris Partlow as Drogba off a suggestion from someone on Twitter. Yeah. And then we made Marlo Mourinho. Although I'm not sold on that because I think Marlo only loses it like really loses it towards the end of season five. Yeah. When he says like, my name is still my name. Right. That's the only time, whereas Mourinho has had a lot more peaks and troughs of that, I think. Oh, but good point, I'm happy good with that. Good point. Well, if we think of someone more compelling along the way, we can go with that. We can go with that. Well, based on the LVG thing as rules, maybe then Landsman is Neil Custis. Yeah, that can work. If we're talking figures within football, yeah, that works. All right. So the one that I wanted to talk about was McNulty. Oh, right, go for it. So we had McNulty as Latan, right? Yeah. And we had rules as Van Gaal because we were saying, can you, you can imagine Van Gaal saying to Latan, sit the fuck down, detective. Yeah. In fact, do you know what I realised about rules? He has two of the best lines in the entire show in his first scene. And I think in one of the last scenes that he speaks in, in episode, I think it's the final episode of season five. Right. Where he says to McNulty, at least tell me that you're not killing them yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Two of the best lines in the whole thing. And he's, I mean, he, Bill Rawls is such an amazing character and yeah. it's acted so amazingly. But, all right, so I've got one from McNulty. Let's go. Okay. Let's do it. And I'm going to read out something first before I go there. So at McNulty's detective wake, 
Jay Landsman read something, right? Yeah. He said, he was the black sheep, the permanent pariah. He asked no quarter of the bosses and none was given. He learned no lessons. He acknowledged no mistakes. He was as stubborn a mick as ever stumbled out of the northeast parishes to take a patrolman's shield. He brooked no authority. He did what he wanted to do and he said what he wanted to say. And in the end, he gave you the clearances. He was natural police. And he said as well, if, I, if it was me lying down there on a corner, I'd want McNulty solving my murder. This is so good. I'm already excited. So think about McNulty, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to build this oh, up. Oh, you're right? such a good, brilliant, brilliant. He's unbearable at times. Right. Other times, hugely entertaining, but one of the best out there. And like Jay said, he got clearances. If you think about even in series five, when he completely loses it, he's still brilliant. He ends up bringing what everyone else needed, but just in the most fucked up way possible. Right, right, right. Sergio Ramos is McNulty because Zlatan didn't get the clearances. He was good police, but Ramos got the clearances. I like that very much. Actually, as I was listening, I was thinking Roy Keane fits that more than Ramos. The problem with Ramos is, despite all his calamity, there is, I mean, the pretty boy thing works. There's something about Ramos's energy, though, that doesn't feel, what's the word? And this is the irony because Ramos could well be from working class background, but it doesn't feel working class. He feels too Hollywood to be McNulty. And McNulty's weird because he's a pretty boy who doesn't feel Hollywood. And that's very rare. Maybe. I think the thing about McNulty, though, was that everyone hated him, but they loved him. And I don't think that was the case with Roy Keane. I I don't think that anyone genuinely loved him enough. No, right. That's that's right. That's right. Right. But then think about it. So Bunk is out of the two, rightly or wrongly seen as the more calm, the slightly wiser, compared to McNulty he is. The confines, yeah. But who's basically got the same level of seniority is as much of a... <laughs> I like this. It's as much of a fuck-up, basically, because Bunk is a... Bunk is no... It doesn't catch half the flack that McNulty does, because McNulty's more brazen with it, right? I know where you're and going. Bunk, and Bunk <laughs> kind of gets away with a little bit of the naughtiness. <laughs> Here we go. Gerard Piquet, of course, is brilliant. <laughs> that, 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 that is brilliant because they're antagonistic as well. Those two actually have that yeah. unbelievable, like Piquet and Ramos, you're like, do they, I couldn't tell you now if they actually liked each other. I can't tell you right now if those two like each other. And I couldn't tell you right now, whatever Bunk and McNulty are doing right now, I couldn't tell you 20 years on if they still like each other. I couldn't tell you whether the actors like each other or the characters. The only difference between PK and Ramos is that ultimately PK would bend the rules and he'd be a bad boy, but he would probably ultimately want to solve the case without faking a serial killer. <laughs> because I think that's the difference. Bunk is not obsessed with being the smartest person in the room. That's the difference. That's actually the one difference, yeah. I think, if you think about it. Yeah. McNulty's overarching thing when he's talking to his girlfriend in the final series and he's talking about like, you know, wanting to be the hero. Yeah. And she's just like, listen to yourself. And the, the really clever thing about the career arc of Sergio Ramos as it compares to the, the career arc of McNulty is they kind of both deteriorate. The mistakes become more common and you still see flashes of the greatness. And to that extent, the analysis, your analysis really works because when you watch The Wire the first time, you're like, oh my goodness, season five, he goes so, after, so far off the rails, it's unrealistic. But then you go back and you see in season one and he's, he's so rude in season one. Like it's yeah. there, like there's elements of it. There's hints of yeah. how bad he's going to get from the very beginning. So yeah, no, I think that's a great argument. And he never learns. 
And never, Ramos never learns. He never learns. And, and you imagine that Ramos, you must, you must go through games playing with Ramos and you're like, why is he doing this? But then he'll get you the overtime and he'll get you your clearances. That's brilliant. And what I like about that as well, I think about PK sometimes and I think that sometimes Ramos would be PK if he had slightly better PR, if he cared about it. But Ramos enjoys being a heel and McNulty really enjoys being a heel. He likes being hated. There's a part of him when you see him kind of sneer and you're like, there's a strange part of him that gets off on it. He's so gifted. The one thing about McNulty that's always interesting is you feel like, and this is something actually he shares with Carchetti, weirdly enough, the, the mayor who ends up becoming the governor. The thing about Carchetti is you almost feel like with a little bit more focus, he'd be even greater. I know that Carchetti achieves a lot in the wire in the end, but you look at him and you think to yourself, if you didn't spend so much time screwing around, literally and figuratively, you'd be so much better. And McNulty, you always feel like he's so abundantly gifted, but he's, he's not that basketball player. He's happy to be the best player down the park. Mm. So you mentioned Carchetti. Yeah. We had a shout the other day for Carchetti that we didn't mention on the first episode, and it was from Chocolate Boy Wonder on Twitter. Yeah. And he says, Brendan Rogers. Carchetti. <laughs> that is that is spectacular. But then we had one today from Roxy Harris on Twitter said, which wire character do you like the least? I didn't like Carchetti. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but Brendan Rodgers' Carchetti is amazing. That's such a good shout. Talk's a really good game. Yeah. And the only thing that stops you is your ego. And the thing about, I mean, actually my shout for Carchetti was Antonio Cassano. Oh, simply because someone's so gifted and you almost wonder, there's something lovable about him at times, but a lot of the time you're like, he's really toxic and I can't see what they see in him. I can't see why they promote him. Um, so if it was a player, I would have Carchetti as Cassano, but I think actually Brendan Rogers is a better Carchetti. I think he's such a good fit. Yeah. Do you want to put another one in? Should I do a minor character? My one for Poot is actually Benoit Asu Okoto. <laughs> someone, someone who was so <laughs> technically gifted, but actually decided... Yeah, I was never really that into the game. And it just decided at one point it wasn't for them and just checked out. So that's that's my poot, Asu Okoto. I got nothing on that. <laughs> I just thought, it just made sense. I was like, I've got to put him in there. He has to be in there. All right, I've got one. Well, I've got two, actually. I'm going to go with Nikki and Ziggy. Sabotka, amazing. So Ziggy is the one who's more outlandishly, how can I phrase this? Can I throw this in there? Go for it. So Ziggy is basically he's an interesting contradiction. He's the eternal entertainer who actually is desperate to be taken seriously. Yeah. And that gives him that, that's the tension in him. Is, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Whereas Nick kind of escapes the criticism that Ziggy gets or yep. the reputation that Ziggy gets, but actually he's on a whole other level of doing bad shit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd like to suggest for Ziggy, Deli Alley. <laughs> And therefore, Nick Sabotka is Harry Kane. Oh my God. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. These are outstanding. These are, you know, it's so brilliant. It's the fact that you've paired them off. That yeah, is well, it's more fun that absolutely way. incredible. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm well up for that. I, that's amazing. Just doesn't get tarnished with the same reputation that Deli Ali does. He's the one going to the Greek. Deli Ali's not. Do you know who else that works with? Can I be, can we, can we take it there? Well, I mean, it's our podcast, man. I mean, Lineker and Gascoigne. Wow. Because actually, Ziggy was my Paul Gascoigne. Oh, was he? Yeah. He was my Paul Gascoigne. I wrote here, natural entertainer who never knew how to turn the jokes off and at some level wanted to be taken profoundly seriously, but I didn't have a, 
and Nick and actually like that analysis, Nick actually there was a naughtiness about him, but it never fully came out. It was there. I was like, how has that dude never been booked? It's clearly naughty. It's there. And I, I just feel like Lineker, Gascoigne had that like Nick Ziggy dynamic. But I, lo- I love the Ali Kane. I love the fact that you've picked that dynamic. So yeah, I love that. Love that. Gosh, these are so much fun. Uh, can I, can I, here's another one. Kima Greggs, Crystal Dunn. Started off in one position, was outstanding. Like was yeah. an attacker. Then had to change mid-career to a completely different role and ended up becoming even more decisive and even dominant in that role. Just shot through with an integrity, a tactical brilliance, and was just a go-to. So yeah, Crystal Dunn was my uh, Kima Greggs. Amazing. We had one from Dr. Me. Shouts to Dr. Me. Great design studio based in Manchester. They had Kima Greggs as Philip Lahm, which oh I imagine goodness. is probably for the very same reason. <laughs> yes. Low-key, one of the best police out there. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love, I, yeah, so, I love that. Uh, we had one from Sean on Twitter yep. saying Carver, Matt Letizier, stuck around, became an influential figure and in celebrating in their organisations, made some small wins, but realistically achieving the biggest prizes slash changes could never have been won within those organisations. And they'll always look back with some regret. Oh, that's, you know, that is, that's elegiac. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Letizier was never going to be deputy ops or commissioner, but lieutenant... Yeah. Do you know what I feel? I feel like, weirdly, I feel Carver is more like Quaresma. That's a really good shout. Because Ricardo Quaresma starts out all the gifts you would, you could imagine, but he's channeling it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uses the outside of the foot too much, doesn't respect the tactical discipline, but then really squares up and becomes this kind of incredible elder statesman that has the respect. And actually, you could argue that Carver's best by the end of the wire is still way ahead of him. Like when, mm-hmm. he, when the wire ends... Carver is on this incredible arc. When he has the conversation with Daniels, it's almost like Carver is the new Daniels, but like his dirt didn't quite get out. He played it a bit cleaner and he's ready to kind of be what Daniels wasn't. So I feel like Quaresma is the Carver of the of the series, if that makes sense. So season five, the focus shifts a lot more into the Baltimore Sun, yeah. which is obviously where David Simon used to work. Yeah. And he actually plays a cameo in season five in the newsroom. He oh, sat man. there typing away right at the front. I love that stuff. There's a journalist there who basically, you know, isn't amazing, but keeps coming with all of these unbelievable stories and unbelievable quotes from sources that he can't name and won't name and all of this stuff. He ends up kind of blagging his way through it. And in fact, you never know how it's resolved. So think of a player who kind of blagged the way through their entire career without ever really being found out at the time. <laughs> That's quite a few of them. Carlos Kaiser. Oh my goodness, the other guy didn't even play. He did <laughs> yeah. the ultimate catfish. Yeah. Oh, that's genius. He never played, did he? No one saw yeah. him play. Never, never actually got a quote off anyone, but came with all of these amazing quotes. That's brilliant, Ryan. That's absolutely brilliant. The biggest con man in football history. It's so good. It's so, dude, I love that. I love that. That's, the defence rests, Your Honour. Oh, Ryan, that's genius. <laughs> but, I actually, but I actually had another one kind of relating to the to the newsroom. Yeah, go for it. This pair doesn't work because they're very, very separate worlds, but for very different reasons. So Gus Haynes, the editor, brilliant guy. It's Arsene Wenger. <laughs> I love that you did this. I love let me tell this. you why. <laughs> so he's an old school guy who's trying deeply, deeply hard to stick to the, the morals and the principles of his industry. Even as it collapses around him. 
<laughs> as it moves on and changes and he calls out Scott Templeton straight away. He knows he's bullshitting. Absolutely. Right. Gus smells a rat straight away and is going to the bosses at the Baltimore Sun and he's telling them that basically this is fabricated quotes and he's not comfortable running this story because they have a source policy and he knows it. It's basically like Arsene Wenger at Monaco telling everyone about Marseille and no one believed him. That's exactly what it is. That's amazing. Gus Haynes, Arsene Wenger. And Scott is basically like Bernard Tappy, <laughs> just blagging it. Yeah, just Bernard Tappy, just blagging it all the way to the top. That's, I love that. I love that. I want to throw out one for Omar. Oh, we're going Omar. Or should I say Omario? <laughs> because he is Romario, in my opinion. Sticking up. Wow. Go, going to the stash house by himself. Coming away with a stash every single time almost playfully, like did it for fun. Like that guy would mock his own players in training, could operate by himself or in a crew in small spaces, incredible speed off the mark, invisible when he wanted to be, deeply visible when he wanted to be, and was only struck out of the whole game by a freak occurrence. So Omar gets done by Canard. And if Romario doesn't get injured in 98 in the warm up to that tournament, then I reckon they could win the whole thing. He was never defeated by any of the other predators in his jurisdiction. That's intriguing that because I had another South American. I love it. Go for it. There were a number of people that I had for Omar. I can't believe we're doing Omar for like this early, man. Unbelievable. That's fun though, isn't it? That's fun though. Just it's just the wire. Just going to have someone whacked in the middle of the episode. Yeah, just exactly. Just move on like it never happened. <laughs> Earlier on this season, we were saying that when like Rose Lavelle is running down on goal yeah. towards defences, it's like, Omar, come, Rose is coming, Rose <laughs> is coming. But I don't think she's done enough damage yet to people. Yeah. To truly be classed as an Omar. There were a couple of suggestions that we had on Twitter from various people. One from John Maunder, actually, who said Leo Messi. Loyalty to Barcelona puts him outside of the tussle between gangs slash teams, makes him a singular figure, seemingly invincible, can't be outsmarted or outgunned until a precocious teenager nutmegs him in his final game. <laughs> Has a code, brackets, loyalty to team of football and philosophy. Now, that is a huge shout. It is huge. But he doesn't have enough. Messi wouldn't go near the street level. Doesn't need to. And there needs to be a mockery there. There's, so Omar actually, like, he got out and enjoyed himself a bit. And he also, there was a, um, Messi nutmegs people. But when you look at him do it, it's like, that's the most efficient way of doing it. But you look at some of the other, there's a thing with Omar that there's got to be an element of, of a fantasy. It's more like a Ronaldinho type energy. Like you need that kind of, you need to be playful, but devastatingly effective. And when, they, when he comes for you, there's no, yeah. He's the most playful predator, but he's also the most lethal. He's not brazen enough in terms of... Messi wouldn't walk down the street whistling Messi wouldn't take your yeah, money. Messi wouldn't sell your stash back to you after stealing it. Yeah. He wouldn't but you know who would? Ronaldinho would. No, but think about it, right? Because what does Omar do with all of the money? He always looks after his people. Yeah. Looks after Butch all the time. That's right. And all of these other people, he sorts them out, right? He goes hood to hood, stash house to stash house goes down south, comes back up when something happens to Butch. People who don't love him, hate him. Oh, I can, I can, hate him. I can see where you're going with this. I like this. I like this. But it's all about the money. I like this. Carlos Tevez. I like it. I like this a lot. That's very, very good. Yeah, I would have no problem with that. That's brilliant. I can imagine Tevez in his own context. He's not as refined as Omar. There's a refinement to Omar, like the not swearing, yeah. the whatever. But 
Tevez has huge Omar energy. I don't think he's the definitive Omar suggestion, but it was something that but came he's to mind. Ab- he's absolutely, that's a brilliant shout. That's a brilliant shout. That is definitely a finalist for, it's hard for me to think of a better Omar than that. Isn't it funny how we've all chosen quite short Omars? Michael K. Williams is 5'10". Okay. So he's not, not huge. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's go to a break. Awesome. It's <laughs> so much fun. shit is this you people must be out your damn mind shit all right back from the break where do you want to go now i mean we could go for snoop yeah let's do snoop i haven't really even thought about snoop okay and this is maybe an obvious choice actually this is maybe an obvious choice but team first always Mm. respects the tactical plan fits within an attack is absolutely lethal doesn't celebrate the kill has innumerable bodies on her after the kill, jogs back to starting position. Facial expression doesn't really change much. Unbothered by pressure. Always gets there early. You could say it was Miedemar, actually. Wow. You could say it was Miedemar. You could say it was Van der Donk. It's funny because Van der Donk, you could, you could, but there's a, there's a ruthlessness. I've watched so many compilations of, of Miedemar's goals and I can see less than five of all of them in which he looked anything approaching ecstatic. That's a good point. And that yeah. to me is like, oof, she has the source. Drogba and Miedema playing <laughs> Chris Partlow and Snoop. And Snoop. I mean, that, oh. that, that is, oof, that's combustible. You wouldn't last long. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. And you wouldn't mess. You wouldn't mess. That matches well with my, we will get onto that in a sec, but my Michael Lee comes in quite well with that as well, I think. I'll do that one now then, because I like these paired up ones. Michael Lee is killing Mbappe. Of course he is. Exactly. Of course he is. He starts off playful, but there's a moment it's like, Michael ain't Michael no more. And like, there's a point when Killian <laughs> stops being Killian. <laughs> he starts off as this nice boy, high-fiving Pussy Riot. A year later, he's arguing with Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> and he's king of Paris. So yeah, that's my, that's my shout. I'm trying to think of a dookie in that scenario. <laughs> but I don't know who... Mbappe's tight enough with. Uh, well, let's go to this one from Ains for Brains. He suggested quite a few, but this is the one I really like. Clay Davis, Set Blatter. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's similar to what I've got. Actually, well, that's another moment. But yeah, <laughs> carry, carry on, carry on. He actually had a really, really good one for Frank Zabotka as well. Oh wow, which is someone that we've already mentioned. Oh please, let's go for it. Roy Keane. Wow, that's. That's I think perfect. that's a really good shout. That's perfect. Do you know why that's so perfect? Because the reason I love season two of The Wire is the one which is most closely identified with a single figure. Mm. It is very much the story of the rise and fall of Frank Sabotka. And the rise and fall of Roy Keane mirrors that. Perf- that's, that that's incredible. Always thinking about his union. Yeah. Working he just class. needs one more year. He just needs, Roy Keane only needed one more year to get that canal dredged. Oh my goodness. Ferguson got him. Perfect. I love that so much. Okay, yeah. I, I really like that. That's, that's so amazing. Good. That's amazing. Do you know what I love about that? It's because that person's truly understood. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so thought out. It's like he's got into your brain. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, this is a really good one from Ross on Frasier on Twitter. He actually photoshopped this as well. 
Wow. Gareth Southgate for Prez. Not the most beloved, has a career-defining mistake, steps back and then reinvents himself into a kind of hero. He says, maybe I'm wrong. Um, Ross, you're not wrong. Ross, you're a genius. And also the beard. And the suit. The suit and the beard. It's perfect. Yeah. When Prez comes back in season five with the beard. It's like Captain America Nomad. It's like another upgrade. And also think about it. Think about it. Because when, when, when Gareth Southgate got the England job, everyone was just like, what is going on here? There's no way he's going to succeed. And trying to think of a player who kind of didn't really make the squad after he made it, rocking up at his office at St. George's Park and just saying, you know what, Mr. Southgate, you got the hang of it. You were right. Yeah, you were right. Like Dookie does at the end. Do you know what? I love that. That's so brilliant. That's like incredible. That's That's amazing. Uh, You want want to go with one? Yeah, I do have one. I've got one for Sydney. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Go for it. Go for it. Because we talked about Sydney the other day. Yeah. But I'm doing it, linking it to Freeman again. I love it. Go for it. Go for it. We discussed on the last episode that Leicester would be, well, we came up with a couple. My shout was that Leicester would be Renus Mikels. Yeah. Which I was thinking, because at the end of season five, you see Sydney go into the judges room to leak some stuff like McNulty did in episode one. Absolutely. Yeah. Leicester's out the way. McNulty's out the way. Sydney's time to shine. So if Leicester is Renus Mikels, does that mean Sydney is Johan Cruyff? Oh my goodness. Learned from Leicester's mistakes to be smarter and craft out more of, probably a shorter, but more of an impactful career and will go down in greater legend. Do you know what that's actually made? I love that you've named that because Sydney is a genius and was off the rails in the final season, but didn't get caught. So that's the evolution right there that you've pointed out. And The Wire does this thing where it's clear that people are successors. So Carver, I think, is the new Daniels. And, and Sidna, you know, Cruyff is the new Meekles. I love, I love that succession. Dude, I, that's great. I had a different view, but I, I think that's a better shout than what I had. So yeah, that's amazing. But your shout for Sidna that we spoke about the other day was really good. And your reason behind it was good. And I think you should, I think you should air it. Well, I thought that Sidna was Iniesta. Yeah. Um, because Iniesta, what is he? He's the illusionist and, you know, is a master of disguise and Sidna disguises himself so well when he mm. has to, he goes undercover, like brilliantly in a way that actually Carver can't. Makes the key pass, like makes the decisive intervention. It's just so smart, so streetwise and just gets the street. He feels it and his impact doesn't always show up in the kind of the stats, the day to day but he's the one everyone wants. Like when they hear they've got Sidna, they're like, yes, it's on. You know that moment when they're like, Sidna's coming. They're like, whoa, like that's big. Let me throw one in for um, another one. Cheese. Oh, yeah, because I didn't think of one for cheese. So cheese, what does, what does cheese represent? Interested in status, of course, has a big ego, but needs one. Commands his area, has a great aura. Switches sides in a manner that is regarded as pure betrayal physically imposing, talks a lot, some say too much, and is, I suppose, feared and respected more than liked, but is undoubtedly a huge figure. Peter Schmeichel. Peter Schmeichel. And the only reason people put up with him was because Ferguson vouched for him. So Ferguson was prop draw in that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the funny thing is, there are so many prop Joes. Yeah, was, there are, aren't they? How he's full of that? prop Joes. Harry how Redknapp. he read that? <laughs> how he read that was a prop Joe. <laughs> I think the end of year Stadio Awards should include the prop Joe Award for the figure within football, <laughs> <laughs> who has been the figure within football who has been the most enjoyably devious throughout the course of the year. The prop Joe Award. <laughs> wow, naming it now. 
All right, I got one. <laughs> go for it. Bubbles. Oh my God, I was looking forward to this. Go on, go on, go on. Bubbles, ultimately a really nice guy. Yep. One of the, one of the nicest. Everyone who comes into contact with him loves him. Super connected. Over years, looks like he's about to get out of this and kind of make it. <laughs> I'm enjoying Think this. of the analogy. So when he lives in his sister's basement. Of course. One day he's going to make it upstairs. Yeah. He spends some time at Valencia. He spends some time at Juventus. Big opportunities. Like when Kima has given him 200 bucks to go to Ikea and get some furniture. Doesn't quite do it. And then when you think, how many more opportunities before he makes it? <laughs> he wins a title. He makes it upstairs. I love this, Ryan. He sits at his sister's table. It's Claudio Radieri. Amazing. <laughs> Absolute genius. Absolute genius. And you, you know what? That's so amazing as well, because his greatest success is preceded by his greatest failure. People didn't take him as seriously as they should have done because he'd never, you know, he'd had a Copa del Rey and some second or third division titles. Never won a, let's say major, major trophy. I think the Copa del Rey is a major trophy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking league title. If you think of the teams that he managed, Valencia, Atleti, Fiorentina, Juve, Inter Milan, Roma, and then just when you think it's not going to happen for him, he wins it with Leicester. Leicester. <laughs> Leicester. <laughs> he wins it with Leicester Freeman. The funny thing is you can imagine Bubbles being a nickname that Ranier was given by a club's fan base. Yeah, maybe. You can imagine that. You can actually imagine them calling him Bubbles. Like it's, he's such an uncle. Yeah. I love that. Th- that's probably my favourite shout of the two episodes, <laughs> actually. Because Bubbles is the soul of the show. He's the only yeah. person that gets a story written about him. He gets an entire story written about him, the Baltimore Sun front page of the Sunday magazine. I love that so much. Brilliant. Have we got any major, major, major ones left? Well, we've got three. I've got three I can throw out pretty quickly, actually. Before you do, let's have a couple from the internet. Kevin Lee says, Bielsa is Bunny Colvin. Hamsterdam is mad genius thinking. <laughs> That's amazing. That, I thought that was incredible. That's amazing. Have you got one for the Greek? Did we do that last time? I don't think we did. We, I think we mentioned a few weeks ago in the supervillain that about four people were the Greek. We said, oh, we, Beresi was the Greek. Yes, Beresi was definitely the Greek. Actually, I think I met the Greek once. You ever heard of a guy called Vic Wakeling? No. Exactly. Vic Wakeling was the mastermind behind Sky Sports. He was the guy behind the guy. I interviewed him for my second book, Will You Manage? Vic Wakeling, chain-smoking journalist. Google his name, you find almost no hits. Vic Wakeling was the brain behind Sky Sports, former journalist, kind of Neil Custis type, you know, mix zone guy, press conference guy that basically ran televised football and no mm. one knew he was doing it. I remember, cause I, remember I interviewed him and I was like, oh, that's great. And then I went and Googled him years later and the only thing I could find was about his memorial service and he ran football, Ryan. I swear, anyone listening to this podcast that hears the name Vic Wakeling would be like, Vic Wakeling, so spelled V-I-C, first name, obviously, surname, W-A-K-E-L-I-N-G. Trust me, Google Vic Wakeling and you'll see just how much the Greek this man was. Like when I met him, I'm like, like he had such big Greek energy. Like, yeah, yeah. Vic Wakeling for me is the Greek. Um, I want to throw in another one quickly. Herc. Oh. Someone who switches sides in dramatic fashion and is low-key unpopular for it. Peter Kenyon, football mercenary, goes to Manchester United as a chairman goes to Chelsea, is absolutely brazen about it, doesn't look back, shows no regret. Got that lovely that lovely ball top on there to receive. <laughs> wow. Peter Kenyon is Herc. 
And that's a good shout. That's what it is to me. And another one in the same office, actually, the same kind of universe, Levy. So who is Levy? Someone who enjoys working with megalomaniacs and sometimes seems to enjoy the surroundings of major crime more than they do. Where is this going? Infantino. (laughs) 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 To me, Levy is Infantino. Just seems to be enjoying it. He seems to be enjoying being in that world. The intrigue and the slipperiness. So yeah, Infantino's my Levy. (laughs) I have to say that. Obviously, we can't go through all of the characters. So maybe if anyone has any ideas for stuff that we've missed, we'll do a little recap maybe Monday. I want to round up this one from Jonathan Harding. Shouts to Jonathan Harding, who's just launched a audio series of his book, Mensch, his amazing book that he wrote. So it's a five-part series where he reads the prologue and four select chapters, and then he's interviewed about it. Uh, the prologue is out now. So if you go on podcasts and search for Mensch, M-E-N-S-C-H, I'd recommend going to do that. Oh, in fact, part two's out as well. So you've got two to go and listen to. Shouts to Jonathan Harding. Top, top man. And he says, how difficult the game is to play and how many sides there are to consider. True of the world, the wire depicts and true of football too. Would love to hear your thoughts and feelings on this. Thanks for all the great work as always. Cheers, Jonathan. What a lovely man. I mean, what do we think? I mean, this is why I think the series The Wire lends itself so well to this analogy because it's just the complexity of the characters. Like You look at individuals in The Wire and they're so deeply human. We're going to pick up this concept maybe in the next podcast we do. The podcast we're doing next is the concept of the nemesis. So it's that player. And that shout out to Hisham. Hisham came up with this incredible concept. There are footballers who play against your team and you always dread they're going to score or deliver a decisive performance. And they seem to have it in for you. And he said, this goes so deep. He said, there's one footballer in particular who years after retirement, I still Google him and check up on how his life is now. I check in on him. Like that's how deep it goes. He goes, it was Umet Dvala. Umet Dvala would always do things to our team and he was our nemesis and he seemed to have it in for us. And I check on Umet now and again. <laughs> but the beauty of that is that that nemesis is someone else's hero, someone else's folk hero. So like Tevez, for example, was a player who, as you say, was really despised by some, but by but to others, which was an absolute saint. Like, you know, the stories about him going in with like sacks of presents for the working class staff at Manchester City at Christmas, the Christmas party. I mean, because I always thought Omar was basically like a, almost like a modern day Robin Hood in a way. Right, right. And that's where the Carlos Tevez thing came for me. It was a bit of an element of Robin Hood with Carlos Tevez. He didn't really care who he played for, really, apart from, unless it was Boca. Right. Boca was his only real true love. That's good. I mean, I, I completely agree with John. And it's funny, I guess Omar's true love was Brandon, I suppose, really looking at it. Yeah. Um, he never really got over Brandon. No, no. I mean, how could you, right? And no. what I love about football is it just presents these endless narratives because every new game presents that opportunity. The genius of The Wire, of course, is it presents endless narratives across five seasons and they all spiral back towards each other they all resolve beautifully and having watched it a second well having watched it a third time now all the way through i conclude that it's an even better piece of writing than i thought it was it is actually better than i thought it was Mm. my response to john's question would be like i said on the last episode i remember david simon saying that the wire is about the city of baltimore now david simon still lives in baltimore if he's saying that The Wire is about Baltimore and therefore he's kind of portrayed Baltimore in its fullest as much as he can. Imagine football as a sport is like the city of Baltimore. 
It has all of these interweaving things, storylines, peaks and troughs. Some parts of it are completely broken. Some parts of it are full of cash. There's really, really shady shit going on everywhere. Mm. But ultimately, there's some amazing people involved in that as well. There are some amazing people within that. And like football is like your city in a way, despite all of the really, really horrible shit that goes on in it, it's still your city. And that's where I think probably if you're going to kind of draw these comparisons between what The Wire portrays for Baltimore and what football is as a sport, neither of them might ever be fixed. But we still kind of love them. That is absolutely beautiful. If I had a glass, I would raise it to that. On that note, uh, don't forget you can check us on Twitter at Stadio. We're on Instagram, Stadio Football. The website is stadio.football. And if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and review. It helps us grow the podcast. And it seems a very obvious place to play out on this week. So we're going to let this one roll. We'll be back on Monday. Catch you soon. to our boy on the door. Siesta, Papa. Fix this joke. What's the problem? Ran out of time.